Welcome, everybody, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, uh, right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, So that's where you're tuned right now, and stay there all day long. Uh, Alan Dempsey, uh, who is a member of the Engineering Hall of Fame, he is our engineer, he gets us on the air. Uh, Andrew Herdliska does the producer, and I'm very pleased uh, to welcome Carol McLeod here to Central Florida, Christian podcaster. Her new book is out, uh, Vibrant, Developing a Deep and Abiding Joy for All Seasons. Uh, Carol, welcome. How are you? Oh, thanks, Pat. I'm doing great, and I'm thrilled to be with you today. What does the word vibrant mean to you? Yeah, you know, Pat, I love words, and of course, I thought I knew what it meant, but when you look it up in a dictionary, it means oscillating or pulsating rapidly, and I thought to myself, no, that's not what vibrant means, so I had to do a little bit more digging and finally came up with my own definition, which is this, flourishing in every season of life. That's what it means to be vibrant. Another one of my definitions is the ability to thrive in the most adverse of living conditions. Because, Pat, life is hard, and we don't always get our own way, and plans collapse, and doctor's reports come in, and the economy falls. But when we attach ourselves to the principles and the Word of God, we have been given the ability the miraculous ability to thrive in the most adverse of living conditions. I want to plow into your book. Uh, it, it's, uh, okay. con- it consists of eight parts. So let's get started. Part one, you simply call the dirty work. Dare to prepare. Uh, go higher. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Okay, so I, I really compare being vibrant to to growing a beautiful garden at the beginning of the book. And if you're going to grow a beautiful garden, whether it's in Florida or Oklahoma or anywhere else, you've got to prepare the soil. And so if we want to live a vibrant life, we have to prepare for it. Um, and, and this first portion of Scripture talks about, um, I'm sorry, this first portion of my book talks about digging deeply into the Word of God, Mm. that if you want to live a vibrant life, you must spend time immersing yourself in the principles of the Word. You know, Pat, I know you're a basketball coach, and so is my son, and um, he coaches at the high school level. And before basketball season starts, he has those boys in the gym every morning at 5 or 5.30 before school starts because they want to win a few games. And he wants to spend time with them. And it's the same way. um, If we want to live vibrantly, we've got to spend time preparing our lives for that. And so the first section of of my book talks about the preparation, which chiefly happens when we spend our lives getting to know Jesus through the Word of God. Now, Carol, we move to part two. Uh, and you simply call that suffering with joy, learning to love what you hate. Uh, fill us in. Yeah, so Pat, I don't know one person, and you probably don't know a person either, who's gotten through life without going through one hard thing. 
you know, most of us go through hundreds of devastating circumstances. You know, we all desire that we could live vibrantly without the hard, but it's just not possible. And so in this portion of the book, I talk about how the most beautiful gardens in life and the sweetest fruit in life is found where joy and sorrow meet. That, that if you're going through a hard time, that, that doesn't mean that you can't have joy. Pat, the most joyful days of my entire life have been when I've been going through something hard because joy is not about our circumstances. It's not about how people treat us. It's not about how much money is in our bank account. It's not about who's ever living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Joy is about spending time with the one who created us. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So for your listeners today, no matter what they're going through, I can tell them that they can have joy in the midst of the hard because that's what Jesus gives us when he comes into our lives. Now, Carol, let's move to part yep. three. The secret garden of the soul. Uh, you are God's August. I want to hear about that. Um, so fill us in on part three. Okay. So part three, Pat, is one of my favorite sections of the whole book. And it starts out with this story that, During the month of August, I often go to Western New York and spend two weeks with one of my friends who lives in the country and has this four- or five-acre garden. You know, as a little girl, I loved helping my dad in the garden. So these weeks that I spend with my friend in her garden are just my favorite weeks of the year. Um, And one, one year when I was there and we were you know, picking carrots and cucumbers and lettuce for dinner that night. Pat, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, Carol, you are God's August. I created you to reveal, to show the abundance of a well-tended garden during the month of August. Now, this, this is the thing about my friend's garden. She works on it all year round. Really, she does. Even during the depths of a, of a Western New York winter, she's choosing seeds and, and studying fertilizer. Um, but this garden not only gives beauty and sustenance to her life, but she shares it with the people around her. And that's why it, one of the reasons it's important for us to, to live truly vibrantly is because, Pat, there's a world out there starving for the principles and for the character of God. And if we don't cultivate that in our own lives, who will we ever, we'll never share it with anybody. And so one of the reasons we need to live a truly vibrant life is to share it with the world in which we live. So rather than being shriveled up and allowing circumstances to, to pick at us and pluck at us, We've got to develop this peaceful, hopeful, joyful lifestyle so that we can share it with the world in which we live. So that's what I mean when I say, you are God's August. Now, what do you mean in part four, simply called whatever, (laughs) uh, with an exclamation point, 
Uh, tell us about part four. Yeah, so part four is what I call painfully practical. So, so far in the book, we've learned how to turn a, a place of heart into a place of joy. We've been um, compelled to believe that we are God's August. But let me tell you, part four is not for the faint of heart. This is, this is the part where you're going to have to roll up your sleeves, take a deep breath and say, okay, God, I'm in. Because this part really focuses on our daily choices, that we have to determine how to live on a daily basis. And, and Pat, if I could, I'd, I'd like to read you a portion of the scripture that I use in, in part four. It's from Colossians 3, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And this is what it says. So those who've been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on, so this is a choice that we all have to make. We have to choose to put this on, put on a heart of compassion. And, and let me just comment here toward people who voted differently than you did. Kindness toward people who are mean to you. Humility, gentleness with people who are angry, and patience with people who get on your nerves. Bear with one another and forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So, Pat, that's a portion of the scripture I use in this section. And, of course, I go into greater lengths commenting on it. Carol McLeod is with us uh, from Oklahoma. Her book is called Vibrant, Developing a Deep and Abiding Joy for All Seasons. We've got another segment with Carol. Stay with us right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And, of course, you're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. Carol McLeod is a Christian podcaster in Oklahoma. Uh, We're talking about her book, Vibrant, and uh, we've covered part one, The Dirty Work, part two, Suffering with Joy, part three, The Secret Garden of the Soul, part four, Whatever, and Carol, we've arrived at part five, and you simply call it Walk Worthy. Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, Pat, that that's right. And and this this portion, part five, is what we do is we hunker down and study some words of Paul that Paul wrote to the early church who was being persecuted. Um, and this is this is what he said to them. He said, "I implore you, I beg you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called." So, so Paul is talking to the early church, but he might as well have been talking to us in the 21st century. And he says, I beg you not to settle for mediocrity. I beg you not to live a self-centered life. Paul says to this church, and he says it to us, live full throttle in your destiny for Jesus Christ. Paul deeply desired for all of us to live a life of heaven's greatness. Um, You know, Paul wrote this from prison, Pat. And if I had been sitting with Paul in that prison, I I might have said, but Paul, what does it mean to walk worthy? Is that even possible to do it? 
And I can't but help but imagine that Paul would have said to me, Carol, if God called you to it, he'll give you the strength to do it. So that's what this section is about, what it takes to walk worthy, to live a life of heaven's enthusiasm. Uh, What does uh, part six mean when you just say, it's enough? Yeah, so so this is a little bit of a play on words, uh, Pat, because I, you know, any good teacher repeats herself, right? But to, to review the principles you've learned. So this this section is a bit of a review, a review, and it is a call to worship. Listen, if your listeners forget everything else today, this is what I want them to remember: if you want to live a vibrant life then you will choose to be an enthusiastic worshiper. All throughout New Testament scriptures, Paul and Peter tell us to rejoice, to greatly rejoice, no matter what we're going through. And so this section, uh, Pat, is a reminder of the power of choosing to sing, even when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it. But listen, we don't worship our circumstances, right? We worship the Lord. And so that's what this section is about. It's a call to worship, to heartfelt worship, no matter what your life looks like. I want you to move on uh, to part seven, Carol, and tell us being, not doing, the miracle of multiplication and many other interesting topics. Uh, Tell us about it. Yeah, so, uh, Pat, my favorite disciple is Peter. I love Peter, and it's probably because I'm a whole lot like him. I've been known to uh, talk before I think. I've been known to be impetuous. So in this portion of the book, we study some of the Holy Spirit-inspired words of Peter. And what Peter calls us is to be vibrant, is to be a Christian, is to be like Christ. And then he tells us how to do it. He says that that the divine power of Jesus Christ our Lord has granted to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. That means yeah, that means anything we need to live a truly vibrant life has been given to us by the power of Jesus Christ. That, that we indeed can do it when we get our lives under the umbrella of Scripture, when we decide to worship the Lord no matter what, and when we decide to rename places of sorrow joy. That's what it's about. Tell me more about that word joy. Okay. Yeah, so Pat, I went through a deep, dark depression when I was in my 30s. Um, My husband and I lost five babies at between 12 and 20 weeks in my pregnancies. And my, I was depressed, my hormones were raging, my heart was broken. And during that time, the Lord met me in the power of the Word of God. And, And that's when I realized, Pat, that I didn't need a perfect life to live in a place of perfect joy. And now let me just assure you, I went to the medical doctor, I went to a counselor, but Pat, it was really the power of my faith 
that lifted me out of that dark spot. And, and because of that situation in life, Psalm 1611 became my life scripture. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And then five years ago, um, my body was invaded by a very aggressive form of cancer. Mm. And I, could, I couldn't believe it, Pat. I was gobsmacked, gobsmacked because I'm a very healthy person. But when I, I prayed and I said, Lord, um, I know you didn't send cancer, but why do I have to walk through this? And I felt his sweet whisper say to me, Carol, it's because there's a world out there in pain who needs the joy that you can give them. So, Pat, for the next two and a half years, I took the joy of Jesus to oncology wards, uh, cancer centers, operating rooms, and it was among the most joyful days of my entire life to be on assignment to take the joy of Jesus to a dark and hurting world. So um, for your listeners who are listening today, that, that's what I would dare them to do, no matter what your life looks like today. Even if you don't like your circumstances, partner with Jesus, because there's a world in pain who needs his joy. Well, Carol, we've arrived at part eight, and it's called One Final Invitation. Uh, I want you to explain it to us. Sure, I, I would love to. So in one final invitation, of course, being the, the end of the book, I take all of the principles and I gather them together in a beautiful bouquet and in a beautiful call to live like, like you, live life like you mean it, to, to live a life so awe-inspiring and so filled with joy and strength that the world actually gasps in wonder that one man or one woman, regardless of their humanity, regardless of their circumstances, is able to persist in living a life that honors God. Um, you know, Pat, as, as I was writing this book, I, I wrote this book to honor my dad, who was a great man of faith, but I also wrote it as a call to the next generation. You know, when I look at the next generation, Pat, sometimes I'm concerned because I see that they haven't attached their lives to the principles of Scripture. So it's up to people like you and me in our season of life to remind the generations to come, this is what the Word of God says. Um, so in closing, let me read one final Scripture that we cover in this final portion from Colossians 3. Whatever you do, whether you're a basketball coach or a mom or a teacher or a politician or a media guru, whatever you do, do your work heartily, full throttle, enthusiastically, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Carol McLeod, she's written this book called Vibrant, and you can tell by Carol's voice she is vibrant. She lives this out. So, Carol, what do you want people to take from our discussion? Uh, what I want them to take is that our circumstances are no excuse for not living a life of joy and peace and hope. 
We serve a God who's so big and so mighty and so powerful that his presence in your life can trump your circumstances and take you into living a life of vibrancy. That's that's what I want people to remember, Pat. And listen, also, I am not Pollyanna with the Bible. I am a real woman who's walked through real pain but has decided that my faith is stronger than my circumstances. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Carol, I'm interested in how you grew up and, and, and when the Lord became real to you. Can you trace some of that background? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. So I was raised in a, in a very small town with two quiet Christian parents. My dad um, was a general of the faith. He um, taught me to love the Word of God, and, and I knew Christ from a very young age, Pat. Um, accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at Family Devotions when I was about five years old. Um, and from there, I went from my small-town church to Oral Roberts University, and my faith grew there. It exploded there. Um, married a, a Christian young man, my college sweetheart, and we have served the Lord together ever since. He was a pastor for over 40 years. And now he leads a missions organization and travels around the world to places I can't even tell you about and plants churches and trains pastors. So, um, Pat, my whole life now, I'm so not perfect. I've made so many mistakes. But my whole life, um, I have known Jesus as a way maker, as a promise keeper, as a mighty God, and as the one I want to give my life to every day. Tell me more about Oral Roberts University. Sure. So I went to ORU back in the mid-70s when it was just a baby university. When I went to ORU, it was less than 10 years old. Um, But, Pat, it was really at ORU that I learned how to dream big dreams. Um, You know, our president, Oral Roberts, would say, make no little plans here. And so I learned during my tenure at ORU how to dream big dreams with God. And, you know, before I went away to college, Pat, um, you know, when I looked at what women could do for, for Christ and his kingdom, really my role models were Sunday school teachers and the women who put on the annual turkey dinner every year. But when I went to ORU and saw women like Corey Ten Boom, and Catherine Kuhlman, and Marilyn Hickey, I realized, ah, God can use women in every generation. And so that, that's when I realized that God could take me, an ordinary girl, and my love for the Word of God, and use me to empower a generation. So I have a very deep respect for Oral Roberts University and for the what it did really in the hearts of a generation. Do you have another uh, book that you're working on? Yeah. So Pat, I have another book coming out in the spring. It'll be book number 13 and it's called the rooms of a mother's heart. So it's a book written to the next generation of mothers. You know, uh, Titus says that the older women, which is me now are supposed to teach the younger women how to, love their husbands, love their children, 
and be keepers of the home. And I saw a lot of books on parenting written by young women, and I thought, mm, they, they need an older voice. They need a wo- woman who's been through some stuff with some kids. So my publisher asked me to write this book, and it's a gift. Pat, it, it is my legacy to the next generation of moms, how to mother well. So that book will be out in April, just before Mother's Day. And, of course, I'd love to come back on and talk about that book when we start to promote it. Well, why don't we plan on that, Carol? Uh, Sounds like a deal. Make sure we get the book, and uh, I'd love to have you back. Uh, Carol McLeod, ladies and gentlemen, uh, has been our guest, author of Vibrant, Developing a Deep and Abiding Joy for All Seasons. Uh, Folks, we're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and you can help. We've got a website, OrlandoDreamers.com, OrlandoDreamers.com. Just go up there and, and, and check in. Say, yes, good idea. I'd love to see this happen, and I'd even be interested in season tickets someday. OrlandoDreamers.com. Stay with us. We've got more here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. We enjoyed having Carol McLeod as our first guest, author of Vibrant. Uh, She uh, uh, was with us from her home in Oklahoma. Well, we stay out in the middle of the country. We're in Dallas. And K.P. Yohanan joins us, founder and president of Gospel for Asia. We're going to talk about his book, Never Give Up, the story of a broken man impacting a generation. KP, welcome to Orlando, Florida. How are you, my friend? Yeah, doing well. Thank you so, so very much. I'm delighted uh, to be with you and talk about the things uh, of the Lord. Thank you. Let's start on this topic, the purpose of your book. Can you explain that to us? Um, Pat, the, the reason for the book, you know, we as a ministry, which is known as possibly by everybody else, uh, the second largest mission in the world. Um, we were plunged into a massive uh, crisis. Um, we had no clue why we had to go through all that. And I call it um, a forest fire of uh, grief and pain. And, um, uh, um, and at that time, when we are when we are in the beginning of this um, um, crisis, the the PR team and the lawyers told us not to do anything, not to say anything in public, and uh, be quiet. Um, and we didn't, and we suffered huge in every way. But then I said, Lord, what what on earth we are supposed to do? And um, finally, um, I was kind of led by such incredible uh, force on the inside of me to read Second Corinthians. And I read that. I did not know even how many times I knew, until finally I saw, my goodness, Paul, St. Paul, uh, had to deal with such enormous pain for uh, the entire life. And, and when he was accused about a million things, he didn't um, fight back justified himself and argued and how great he was. He simply um, 
explained his personal journey with the Lord through all this, yet with such love and kindness and brokenness. And uh, finally, the Lord said, this is what you should do. And uh, um, I must tell you, of the 250 or 70 books I wrote, uh, this may be the one book I wrote every word with my own hand, um, uh, from the you know, scratch to the uh, finishing of the book. And this, the, the purpose of the book is uh, trying to see the amazing mystery of God and help people understand suffering and difficulties are really um, uh, needed and important part of knowing God and fulfilling His eternal purposes. Um, as St. Paul talked about that in Second Corinthians. Now, uh, I want you to move to your first topic here on spiritual darkness and oppression. Uh, please explain that to us. Well, you know, um, there, there is a thinking um, generally in the Protestant evangelical world that um, if you do everything right, live godly and uh, be an absolutely honest disciple, uh, as Paul talked about in Philippians 3, uh, maintain um, absolute clear conscience and everything else. We, we would be protected by God. Everything will go well. And uh, although we kind of maybe mentally agree that suffering and all those things, but I don't think in the Western uh, um, um, uh, in Christian culture, I don't know if I call it church necessarily, um, uh, we don't, uh, we don't uh, necessarily understand that. And for me, I must uh, say I was part of it. Um, uh, um, and um, um, then all of a sudden, um, you know, you and I doing some dumb thing like driving on the road. We we lose our control and run into somebody and bang them and uh, cause damage. Uh, then we can come out and say, my goodness, what have I done? And we say, I'm so sorry, I, I lost my control. I lost my brake or whatever we can say. But if we didn't do anything wrong, they're perfectly um, sane, uh, and then um, somebody accuses us, um, you you ran into my car and you killed my child and all that. Uh, you know you, you just don't know what to do. This was our situation. Forty years of serving God uh, with our all heart, giving giving up everything to serve Him, walked with a pure conscience uh, to reach the unreached in our world, and all of a sudden we were plunged into this accusation chaos and Christian Madison's reporting that they have you know, fraud and stealing money and self-enrichment and all these different things. And I, I just went into a time of denial first, and then I said, my goodness, this is real. This is people are talking real things, um, accusing us. Um, and didn't know how to respond. Um, and that's when I began to read C.S. Lewis' book, uh, Grief Absurd. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I realized... Um, C.S. Lewis talking about Christ experienced the worst depression human being can ever experience or will never experience uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and here I was given the privilege to taste a little bit of what Christ um, uh, went through. Also, it was a test to see uh, how I handle it. So every Christian... Um, 
I mean, I, I would say anyone who is a genuine follower of Christ, um, our call is to enter into the suffering and the life of Christ. And um, we as individuals and family and ministry, uh, we were plunged into it. Um, uh, this is happening now for over 100,000 people around the world a year getting killed. Just uh, the other week I was looking at the Coptic Orthodox Christians, how many of their uh, people lined up and their heads were cut off when they refused to deny Christ. And um, not a day go by. I read dozens of emails of persecution, house burned down, brothers beaten, uh, um, you know, their children kicked out of school. Uh, the suffering people go through all because of the name of Christ. And this is a 30-year of history in the book of Acts. So we, we were, um, on one hand, confused about this whole thing. On the other hand, I was learning. This is something I was preaching. It's one thing to preach about this and another thing to um, experience it. Uh, that's what that chapter, I think uh, you are referring to chapter one in the book. Now, uh, my guest is K.P. Yohanan. He's in Dallas, founder and president of Gospel for Asia. Uh, his book is called Never Give Up. Uh, I want you to talk to us about suffering for Christ's sake. Um, y- y- you know, I don't want to be criticizing anybody here, for sure I don't. But um, uh, America is, um, without any doubt, I've been all over the world, uh, 40, I'm mean, now 70 years of age, I traveled 40 years, um, and I don't think there's any people on planet Earth that is so kind and gracious and giving, compassionate and loving. Uh, and helpful as Americans. I, it is an amazing country that we are in. Yet at the same time, I think uh, we misunderstand um, uh, Christianity as we know it um, um, has become a cultural reality instead of the life of Christ. And um, um, uh, you go through the entire scripture, you never find... God's methods never been money and buildings and uh, great blueprints uh, to do great things. No, uh, Jesus, when he um, lived 30 years on earth, suffered and learned obedience, that is giving up every right um, of his own uh, to do only what the Father says. And finally, three and a half years, he goes public and trains his disciples uh, and Keep telling them, I do nothing of my own. I want to do a lot of things, but I give it up. I only do what the Father tells me to do. It was suffering for him, and he suffered in the flesh. And then he sends them out. You read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, he's, he, he, he's not giving them a great master plan to go and evangelize the world. He says, I send you as the Father sent me, but remember this, you are going as sheep among wolves. And if he said, I'm going to send you wolves, as wolves among sheep, that makes sense to me. But he said the opposite. That means the sheep will be beaten, abused, torn apart, um, and killed, and eaten by the wolves, so that the wolves can become sheep. And um, all the apostles... You know, they didn't experience the prosperity gospel. No, they all lost their lives. St. Thomas came to India, 
uh, in AD 52 to uh, my community and planted seven churches, and then later he was brutally murdered. And so all the disciples, uh, the early Christians, I spent the um, uh, last 15 years reading and meditating on the early um, church fathers, uh, the apostles and the disciples and the, the said fathers, the said mothers. And I'm telling you, there's never uh, a way to experience the life of God and partake um, uh, in his life. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we are called to be partakers of his divine nature. And that divine nature will become hours if you are willing to suffer, not suffering for the sake of doing anything wrong or suffering for the sake of suffering, but suffering for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and dying to self. It can be uh, emotional, mental, physical, um, um, choosing to do that, fasting for uh, seven days or 40 days, um, um, seeking to know God, as St. Anthony had to do 15 years uh, alone in the cave. Um, trying to have this um, journey into understanding God. And I, I must confess, I wish I knew these things when I went to seminary and got my education and all those things. Uh, but I was the best lawyer for God, I must tell you. Maybe the other lawyers there, defending doctors and all those things. But it is like uh, looking at the beautiful um, red rose, the, the scent, uh, perfume, uh, whatever comes out of it, intoxicating, and you look at it, you smell it, and you are amazed by it, but you cannot enter into it. And the only way to enter into that is through going through some thorns, some pain, and suffering. And this is the way of God. And He could not save the world without the cross and pouring out His blood. And He called us. Um, to follow him, and materialism and comfort has become um, the worst enemy of knowing God. Um, um, you know, I'm not against having nice house and cars and all those things, but when you ask the people, um, when was the last time you spent a week fasting and praying for 100,000 people that died in earthquake in Nepal or in Typhoon uh, in Bangladesh or half of the world that never heard the name Jesus Christ. Um, how are we um, going to celebrate Christmas this year? You know, they don't even think about it. And yeah, we proclaim there is eternal judgment. We proclaim Jesus is the only way. But we do not want to embrace suffering for the sake of the lost world. In scale 22 verse 30, God said, The land is full of preachers and brilliant um, orators, but I cannot find one person to stand before me and minister unto me so that the land will not be destroyed. And think about it. In America, um, every every uh, town and city, there's a Christian radio station. Here we are. I'm in Dallas and you are Florida. But do you realize 1.4 billion people in India, there is not one Christian radio station. Really? And uh, Exactly. And how many Bibles we print? In English language, almost every week, some guy coming out with a new study Bible. Half of the world have not seen one page of the Bible. So what is suffering? Suffering is embracing inconveniences and pain and difficulties, not making our life better and better in the name of Jesus, but Jesus had no place to lay his head. And 
and he gave his life in living and death for others. And this is the gospel that is missing uh, from um, uh, the Christian culture. Or My guest is K.P. Yohanan, founder and president of Gospel for Asia. We're talking about his book, Never Give Up. And uh, we've got another segment with K.P., so stay with us right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5 The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. My guest is K.P. Yohanan from uh, Dallas, uh, the book Never Give Up. K.P., I want you to uh, uh, expand on this part of your book. You simply call it on hope and trust in trials. Uh, Tell us more. Well, you know, it's like a, um, a mother giving birth to a, a child. Um, she knows from all the reading and all the medical doctors and everything, uh, the process is this, 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 and there'll be pain, and this is what you do. And they go to the lamas, what they call the exercise, which I did with my wife. Um, but then uh, there comes the time, the pain unbearable. Um, it's it's like she's actually walking through the valley of death, literally, and, and some even die. You know that. Um, in in Christian life, in following the Lord, um, um, when we see um, um, uh, pain, agony, I'm not talking about physical pain. You know, by the way, in the early days, I was beaten, abused, stoned. Uh, picked around for preaching the gospel uh, in some parts of Asian countries um, by the radical anti-Christian fundamentalist. But uh, during this our crisis of uh, forest fire, of uh, accusation, abuse, um, and social media and everything, I, I just didn't know the suffering is much more painful emotionally than physically. Um, um, uh, in the book, I talk about one place where um, I, I, you know, it was it was like Martin Luther talked about my room um, there in that India, that one bedroom house was filled with dark figures, kind of, uh, and I was so on the verge of thinking committing suicide, I couldn't handle it. I mean, you should know. Here is a guy who wrote you know, hundreds of books and discipleship and everything in the world and lead the largest, one of the largest mission in the world. I just didn't know how to handle it. And it was God's mercy that all of a sudden he walks in the room in a mystical way. You know, I'm not a spooky charismatic to talk about colors and lights and all that, but it was so real, his presence, and uh, opens my heart and eyes to understand the pain uh, in God's plan is one of the best gifts I can uh, experience uh, if I long to understand Christ. So uh, hope uh, that night, uh, early morning, two o'clock or so, in my despair, uh, I saw um, God was not um, uh, a million miles away. He didn't abandon me. Um, and he was there. He was watching. He knew what was going on. And um, um, I must take my eyes off my suffering, my pain, and my future, my fears, and put on him, because in a few years, I'm going to be with him. And um, 
So whatever we go through, um, that was one time I realized in the midst of horrendous pain that 100 years from now, nothing really matters. I am not here on earth. So uh, why don't I surrender my life with the best and the worst and everything into his hand, which is the pure orthodox faith. And um, I must tell you, that was a turning point in my life. Um, and I said, Lord, I want to know you. Uh, suffering uh, uh, is, uh, I misunderstand this whole thing. So this may be the best thing happened in my personal journey and for the ministry also to understand I own nothing and we um, belong to nothing except to him. And so um, that hope is not uh, positive thinking or some Bible verses we recite and some promises God uh, gave to pull us out of fire. No, the hope is sharing the life of Christ. And um, uh, these difficult times became um, uh, like uh, the door of the wardrobe uh, that we, um, C.S. Lewis talk about in the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, Lucy steps into the wardrobe and few t- steps further, she's walking to Narnia, and then she run into Aslan, uh, Christ um, pictured uh, in the image of Aslan the lion. And the same way, uh, for me, I would uh, say hope um, uh, in the midst of suffering is a billion times more precious than uh, happiness and joy in the midst of luxury and uh, private planes and all these other things. Uh, this is a whole different um, experience, which is very private and it's it's a mystery to me. And I don't, I have no way to preach to people and say, do this, 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 this. You will find God. But I would say this: um, um, spend enough time alone with the Lord as long as you can. Sometimes the whole day doing nothing. But just being alone, um, uh, thinking of him and meditating on uh, scripture, um, sometimes he'll be surprised when we are so still and um, so alone and so quiet, um, you begin to enter into this new world of um, his world as Moses uh, was with God 40 days. And I think uh, our flesh and our mind... um, uh, are the worst enemy of knowing um, God the way we should know Him. Um, and we avoid suffering everywhere possible um, um, uh, because that's the enemy's way of tricking us and uh, tripping us. And the Protestant evangelical world uh, convinces us that if you believe all the truth correctly, then you are spiritual. Uh, but devil also has all the beliefs correctly, but he is devil. And um, uh, God is not to be um, explained, but experienced. Um, and uh, this, this is something, um, um, you know, I wish I was, I, I knew when I was 20 years old, 30 years old. But so now I tell people that come to me and say, I want to serve God the rest of my life. I want to live for him and everything. Uh, give me some idea what I must do. My only answer is, please Stop all your ambition to be a great servant of God. Get to know Him. Be with Him. Spend time with Him. And um, hear God. Um, instead of thinking that you know, God is in desperate need, that you have to do this and that. Know Him so He can guide you what to do. 
My guest, K.P. Yohanan, founder and president of Gospel for Asia. Why is it so hard for the gospel to penetrate into the nation of India, K.P.? Yeah, thank you for asking the question. You know, the enemy of God and humanity, it is Lucifer and maybe billions of demons. And throughout the Holy Scriptures, we find uh, from Garden of Eden uh, what the devil is doing to drive people away from the truth, using all kinds of means, good and bad. And, um, um, you know, um, uh, why it is so difficult to penetrate the gospel in India? You know, 1.3 billion people, it is said half of that nation never heard the name Jesus. And I've been to some Middle East countries. Uh, when you get to the airport, they open your suitcase and they check, um, pull every cloth out. They are not looking for money or um, uh, drugs. No, they're looking for Bible. They're looking for anything to do with the religion you're carrying into the country. And... Um, um, I was in places where I'm told, don't say one thing publicly about Christ, uh, lest you'll be arrested. Um, so it's not just India. Uh, as the days are coming to a close, there is a militant revival of um, ancient religions, which has with it uh, such enmity toward the gospel. And um, 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 when I was in Nepal a while ago, um, before coming to America, I learned that um, um, several Christian organizations were canceled and asked to leave the country. And um, um, as a matter of fact, 80% of the countries of the world are completely closed or restricted from outsiders to come and preach the gospel, and many are put in prison, and many are killed if they do that. And so the resistance uh, to the gospel is because um, I don't blame governments or anybody. It is satanic powers that opposes the preaching of the gospel. Just as we read in the book of Acts, 30 years of church history, why on earth the religious fundamentalists will stone Stephen to death in Acts 7? Why a man like uh, St. Paul, uh, the most righteous Pharisee, would go about killing Christians. What have they done? Um, My guest um, has been K.P. Yohanan, founder and president of Gospel for Asia, talking about his book, Never Give Up. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be back. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Carol McLeod, uh, talking about her book, Vibrant, was with us in the first segment. And then K.P. Yohanan uh, joined us from Dallas, talking about his book, Never Give Up. And you can get a free copy by going up to K.P.'s website, and he'll uh, send you a free copy. So, uh very, very generous of him. Uh, just a reminder, uh, we're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. You can be a big part of it. Uh, so just come and go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com, orlandodreamers.com, and uh, just check in. Uh, give us your name and your contact information. Uh, when, uh, If and when season ticket time arrives, you'll uh, have a good, uh, a good location, good timing on that. OrlandoDreamers.com. So, folks, have a great week ahead, and we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour 
here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We'll be uh, looking for you.